celebrating 40 years as a leading integrated marketing communications agency and sharing wisdom, insights, and stories from a career spent igniting growth. This is the Lori Jones Integrate and Ignite Marketing Solocast. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Actually, now it's a solo cast. Yes, you'll still be receiving incredible interviews that we'll be having with incredible guests throughout 2020, but we're also launching my very own solo cast. And I'm so excited to talk to you more about some of the pearls of wisdom that we've gained at Avocet Communications and that great growth that we've created for brands across the world over our past 40 years. That's right, Avocet Communications is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. And what a better way to pay tribute to the man, my father, Kit Satorius, who founded the agency 40 years ago, which is one of the main reasons why I'm starting my solo cast. My dad and I worked together for 25 years. I'll never forget the day he asked me to work with him. And most of you know, some of you may not know that 2019 was a very, very difficult year. The mind and, and the spirit behind founding the agency, my father passed. And we didn't know what the cause of his death was. And it was incredibly difficult. The shock and pain is still with me today, but we forged through this. Those of you who have been in this situation, we forged through it and we think through the positive things that we gained. And I am so grateful again for the 25 years that we worked together. My father, Kit, and, and my journey was a very, very special one. He was my friend, my confidant, my business partner, and my father. The trust that we had uh, between one another is the trust that every business entrepreneur, every person in leadership wants to be able to have with the team that they manage and the team that they work with. Again, I am so excited to pay tribute to him throughout this year. We'll be dedicating a series of solo casts, one a month at a minimum, to some of those pearls of wisdom that I gained through my father and really how they impacted the bottom line for many of the brands that we work with. We will talk about the highly integrated approaches, the thought process that really ignited the business that Avocet is today. Throughout each episode, again, I will share those stories of my father and our business that are relative to how we as an agency ignite growth for our clients. So let's roll up our sleeves and learn more about the visionary, the man, the incredible entrepreneur behind Avocet. So SoloCast episode one. We're off to the races, and the theme of this solo cast is perception is reality. Every agency has their very unique way of doing things. Following is a tale of Avocet's uniqueness and a tribute to Kit Satorius, the man behind it all. But first of all, I've got to tell you all about a very, very unique story. It's a great story about how we got started. My father, as you just heard, he and I were joined at the HIPS. Prior to starting Avocet, he was in the trade show business and he traveled the world. And I really like to say that I grew up in the industry because I, I learned so much through him, even when I was just three feet tall. I would travel to a trade show every year with my father. I would walk the show floors with him. He talked to me about the uniqueness of exhibit design and really the psychology behind 
getting someone to notice the brand very, very quickly and succinctly. And of course, we translated that mindset to all the integrated approaches that we deploy today. We, as a family, spent so much time together. We grew up hiking and backpacking and shooting and fishing. We made our own fly rods. We made our, we tied our own flies. We grew up as a very, very tight-knit family. And my father and I were as close that a father-daughter could be. And I only hope for the fathers and, and mothers that are listening today that your children have the same relationship with you that I had with my father and that, quite frankly, I have with my mom. So I grew up walking show floors. I was a broadcast journalism major in college and really wanted to anchor the news and soon realized that it really wasn't for me, that I wanted to do something different, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. While I was in high school, my father left the trade show exhibit business and started a one-man shop graphic design strategy firm out of the basement of my parents' home. And again, when I graduated from Colorado State with a broadcast journalism degree, asking myself, what in the world am I going to do? I really pondered that for quite a while. At that time was interning for my professional selling professor. And he had me selling radio time for a side sales contract that he had, along with some print space advertising for a publication contract that he had. During that internship, we hired my father to do a project for us, creative design project for us. And as my father and I were working through this project, we had lunch one day and he said, you know, I don't quite understand where I want to take the company. He said, I've got a vision to do great things, you know, help clients sell their great solutions and products, but I need someone to do this with. And I would love for you to work with me, Lori. And why don't we give this a whirl and see what happens? And I thought to myself, I've got nothing better to do. I'm not really, you know, enjoying this internship. It's coming to a close. This could be a great next step for me. And I am so glad looking back on that day and that lunch with my father that I said, yes, never once while I was growing up, did I believe that he and I would be working together. And all these years later, Avocet is one of the fastest growing companies in the state of Colorado. We're the 40th largest female owned business in the state of Colorado. We are the 25th largest agency in the state. And all of that started with my father's vision and me saying yes to him that that during that that lunch that we had I'm I'm so grateful that I did that. Fast forward about 2 months after that lunch that I had with my father, he and I learned that we were the finalist to pitch a regional rental car agency. We were so excited. We really felt that this might have been our first big break with the agency. I'll never forget taking that that phone call. Again, we were operating the agency out of the basement of my parents' home. It was my father and I. My grandmother would help us with some of the administrative work. The phone call came in from Jerry, the client, and he let us know that we were the fi- we were a finalist for the business. And the first thing out of his mouth was, by the way, this call came in on a Thursday. And Jerry said, we want to come by and take a look at your offices on Monday and meet the rest of your team. And 
I've got the phone in my hand. I'm listening to these words come out of Jerry's mouth as I'm looking at the orange shag carpet beneath my feet. And I thought to myself, we need a plan and we need it quickly. So I ran up the stairs, let my dad know we're a finalist for this piece of business. And guess what? We need to leave right now because we need to go find some office space. And he was like, yes, we do. We can't bring Jerry Martin to, to the house. So ultimately, we found office space, interestingly enough, right around the corner from the building that we bought several years later. And we signed a lease that Thursday. On Friday, we had no capital. We were starving entrepreneurs. That Friday, we went and found used desks, steel, big steel case desks, by the way. And at that time, they looked so ugly. Now, looking back at it, they were absolutely phenomenal desks, and they'd be really cool today. But nonetheless, my father made wood veneer tops to, to, to go over the top of the desks. And then I took plywood, foam, and upholstery fabric. So then I fit each one of those to each size of the desk and the front of it to just make the, the desks look more avant-garde than they truly were at that time. On Sunday, we moved into the office and then Monday morning came around and we had our family there to make us look much larger than we were. Jerry walked through the door at nine o'clock and by 10 o'clock, we had a contract that was in review. We landed the business. And the reason this story is so important is that it instills the entrepreneurial spirit that we have, the grit that we deploy as a company to this day to really rolling up our sleeves and solving a problem. But if we really take a look at what this means, as I said at the onset of the show, perception is reality. We were off to the races. Can you imagine had we invited Jerry to just a coffee shop or to our home to really assess the agency, the negativity that that could have created? So Perception, of course, is the ability to see, hear, and become aware of something through our senses. We knew that we needed to combat that and create the right perception for Jerry to make a solid decision and know that we could provide great marketing solutions for him. And that's what we did. Good marketers can discern and take advantage of these market perceptions, whether it's making the bold decision to move into our first commercial building and in, in many of your cases, it could be product enhancements, solution enhancements, or help your audience forget the reality of the orange shag carpet. What are you willing to battle? And that's really where we're going to roll up our sleeves and talk about more today. What battle are you willing to take on from a perception standpoint to combat the negative reality that might be in existence in the marketplace? Is your brand creating the right perception? Do you know what your brand's perception is? In order to change the perception, you need to understand what that perception is. It is not rocket science. It's actually pretty simple, and it's probably, probably a lot of the data is at your fingertips. If you think back to differentiation and what brands need to do today to differentiate themselves from the marketplace, perception ties into that on every level. Look at your social feeds, your ratings and reviews, customer service feedback. Talk to your sales teams. What are they hearing? Look at your competition. What are they saying? Again, you can learn so much about what that perception is in the marketplace by simply listening. With that being said, there are 
a lot of different ways and more sophisticated approaches that can also be deployed. Uh, many of you have great audience segmentation, but audience segmentation studies can also be deployed to take that thought process that much further to really get, you know, understand that soft underbelly of what that perception might be. Customer interviews, one-on-one -on -one customer interviews, simply calling up a customer, making sure that you're asking the same 10 questions so that there's consistency in the response, I think is key. But making sure that you do get to the bottom of understanding that perception will help you start the point of that race to reality, quite frankly. You want to take a look at what is being said that is true, what is being said that is false, and then really ascertain what it is that you can battle and what it is that you should push aside and not battle. Now, throughout this, I, I, I mentioned some audience segmentation and really understanding your customer as a piece of this and going beyond the low-hanging fruit of the insights and, and again, conducting those interviews. What, is, what might be meaningful to one segment may not be meaningful to another. And look at the behaviors of each one of those segments and pare it down even further so that you can really understand what it is that that audience is stating and why their perception is what it is. We're going to talk in, in upcoming segments more about audience segmentation, but you can also take a look if it's something that's top of mind for you right now. Take a look at episode 180, Michelle Levitt, episode 182, Brian Massey, or episode 76 with Susan Bear. We really rolled up our sleeves in those episodes and got into a lot of audience segmentation, which could be beneficial to you right now. So lastly, you know, we understand what the misperceptions are or the perceptions are. We know a little bit more based on some of the research we've done. And it could be, again, something sophisticated with an audience segmentation or, a, you know, just simply talking to customers. But we need to ask ourselves, how are we going to manage perceptions? We need to make sure that we are delivering on the promises that we are making. And it's an interesting point here that for those of you who have new products or solutions, there's no difference here. You're just starting at a different ground level. You're looking more for what might be said from the competition. You can still gain audience insight and taking a look at what the market needs are in general to get that baseline and establish what that perception needs to be. So now I want to get into a client example of how we really built perception and turned it into reality. Uh, and one thing I think is important to note here is this, without having a strong hold on what the perception is about the brand in the marketplace, you truly are guessing at all of your marketing messages. Without knowing your brand perception, you are are throwing darts at a dartboard. You're casting too wide a net and you're not able to hone into the behavior behind why someone should be purchasing your product or service, which also means you're not spending your money wisely at all. One thing that I did as, as my dad and I were building the business as if I had a meeting, I would drive around the business park that that meeting was and then I'd take a look at all the different brands. I'd write them down, do some research on them, determine if they're a good fit for the agency, and then you know make a phone call and start calling on them. And one such company that I had dreams of working with was Pentax, uh, Pentax Imaging, Pentax Optics. 
Uh, Pentax is one of the leading manufacturers of photography, uh, scope, and binocular gear uh, worldwide. I remember driving through this business park in Denver and thinking to myself, one day we are going to work with this company. I had grown up with the brand, by the way. My father was an avid outdoorsman, as I mentioned. He was an incredible photographer, and he had always used Pentax products. So I had called on Pentax for actually three years and then received that phone call back, very similar to the day Dad and I were off to the races with the regional rental car agency I received that phone call from Pentax and they wanted us to take a look at marketing some of their product lines. So one thing that we assessed very early on is that Pentax had marketed itself into in, in the safe zone, if you will, of a lifestyle brand. It is where most of their competition had veered away from. So they felt lifestyle was a point of differentiation And what we soon uncovered was that their true point of differentiation was their product quality. The perception in the marketplace was that their product quality was not as good as some of the gorillas. Out of the shoots, we gained insight regarding this perception issue. We knew through study, through talking to customers, through really taking a look at the competition, and through side-by-side comparisons that the tech teams did at Pentax, that Pentax optics gather light differently, which allowed the customer to see the object that they were looking at more clearly. Pentax optics were far superior to the Goliaths of the industry. So we pitched a totally different approach to Pentax from lifestyle to product-driven quality, and it paid great dividends. They agreed to the new approach and knew that they could combat this negative perception in the marketplace regarding their product quality. So we rolled up our sleeves, developed a great strategy to infuse into not only the buyer mindset, but all of the retail salespeople selling the product that Pentex had better optics. One of the areas we focused on was product comparison and really educating the sales teams and the sales associates at the retail level that in side-by-side comparisons to many of the big gorillas in the marketplace, Pentax products were better. They had better light gathering optics and and we also at that time let them know that in fact, a lot of the competition were buying the optics from us and white labeling that. Along with the product comparisons, we introduced this concept of Pentabrite, which was the good housekeeping seal of approval, if you will. Pentabrite, whenever a consumer saw Pentabrite on a package in an ad, in a video, that was their sign that it was a better light gathering optic and far superior optic product in the marketplace. So Pentabrite became that, again, that signature of approval along with the packaging enhancements that we made and really branding behind the optic superiority, we made sure that the advertising messages also gleaned insight into the product quality that we were pushing out into the marketplace. So imagine seeing a video or a print ad or an in-store POP of an American bald eagle and the American bald eagle who has incredible eyesight and can see things that the human eye cannot see, and then comparing the quality of Pentax products with optics to the eagle and their incredible vision. 
So we, we brought these incredible American icons together to provide that, extend that comparison to instill in the mindset of the buyer that Pentax optics were far superior. So what we did with Pentax is we took an incorrect perception in the marketplace and we turned it into factual information. And that position alone, by turning that mindset around, by turning perception, you know, that perception that was reality and creating a true perception to become true reality was where we really started to impact the bottom line for Pentax. We had year-over-year growth in the product lines that we worked on of 10%, and they got purchased by Rico. But that alone really helped position Pentax for success. And my father and I had great fun working on the business together. Again, we worked side-by-side, and it was one of those incredible triumphs that I had and the brand affinity that I had as a young girl seeing Pentax products and then driving through that business park saying to myself, one day we're going to work with them. And then positioning the brand for sale was a great, great win for the agency. You know, all these years later, I think back to the orange shag carpet and I relish in the moment that my father and I decided that that was not the perception that we wanted to fight I thank God that my father and I were so aligned that that single decision that we made after I ran up the stairs saying, we need a plan, led to that first large contract we had as an agency, and again, becoming one of Colorado's fastest growing companies. Thank you all so much for listening today. Our audience means the world to us. Reach out with your questions. I'm sure you've got many. There are so many different point of views on this topic. But at the end of the day, perception is reality. And it's what we as marketers, what we as business owners, it's what we as leaders need to fight day in and day out. So the correct perception is what is created in the marketplace. I look forward to sharing more about the incredible journey that my father and I shared. I miss him so much each and every day, but I know that he's actually listening to me taping this episode, and that gives me incredible comfort. Reach out with your questions, Lori at avocetcommunications.com or tweet me at Lori Jones. We so appreciate your feedback on iTunes as well. I look forward to having you tune in to the next episode of Integrate and Ignite. This episode is complete. I hope you have been inspired and have come away with new marketing ideas, tapped into your own passion for excellence and creativity, and are moved to ignite the growth of your business.